Unfortunately, listeners, we're back. Tim, Jeremy and Aaron with the MPO Sports Podcast. What have you fellas been up to over the last three weeks? Just watching a bit more of the sports that's coming back, really. Um, the footy's into a bit of, got a bit of momentum now. The EPL's got a bit going on, so just sitting back and enjoying some of that. Yeah, and with uh, not a great deal else to do, we've been able to um, dive in head first when it comes to sport. So uh, I've been I've been across quite a bit. Well, it's it's funny because we've gone from nothing to an absolute brothel full of sport, really, in the last three or four weeks. And there's a bit more to come too, which is good. Yeah, awesome. Well, I suppose let's get the um, show up and running. And our first topic of discussion is a bit of a summary since we last spoke about how the AFL's travelling. What are your thoughts, guys? To me, there's quite a few clubs that seem to be on a roller coaster. One week they're up, next week they're down, or bungee jumping, whatever you want to call it. What are your thoughts, guys? Yeah, that might be uh, that might be just a that might be just how it's going to be all year because of the hub life. Maybe we're just seeing the patterns. Uh, we're seeing patterns emerge, possibly, with all these teams being away from home for so long. I could be wrong. Maybe they're just not that good. But um, it seems each club have had their downs and their ups, haven't they? Yeah, I think um, teams are probably only going to be able to get a good probably three weeks of momentum at a time and then maybe put put together three good games and then they might come unstuck for a game or two. Yeah, and I think as far as the up and down, the only club that hasn't been up and down is Adelaide, and they're pretty much where they should be for not being up and down. They've been consistent. Probably the most consistent of the whole league. Well, you can't you can't drop down if you don't go up, can you? Well, that's true. That is very, very true. Um, what, what do you guys think of a couple of the sanctions that happened um, this week? Um, I think they got the Dylan Shield one spot on. Yeah. Yeah, and the Ben Long one as well, really. Yeah, Long was a bit unlucky because he's gone in and Sean Darcy's falling at the same time. But you go in for a bump, you hit him high, then you're yeah. liable, aren't you? I don't um, think there was, uh, yeah, there wasn't any malice in what Ben Long did. Um, his just technique was wrong, and um, and the player he bumped just ended up being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Well, yeah, the Shield one was a bit different though because Shields run past the ball and cleaned him up. So when you do that, you can't. Can't have any argument, I don't think. I guess with the long one, though, too, he did well hitting a guy that's one of the ruckmen in the head, considering Long's height and the ruckman's height. I would actually question the mobility of the ruckman if he can't stay, stay on his feet. But anyway. They're pretty clear the AFL of the head is sacrosanct. So um, any contact to the cranium nowadays, you're going to be in a bit of hot water. I wish they'd remember that on some of the ridiculous uh, ones from last season that they let go. Anyway, I yeah, think they have um, been inconsistent, but yeah. I, got, I think they got these two. They got these two spot on. I think. Mm, I thought three weeks being a Saints supporter was a bit cruel. I thought he deserved a holiday, but I thought three weeks is probably one too many. But that's just my opinion. Um, any other thoughts around the AFL at the moment, guys? Anything well, we that's... haven't really. We haven't really got probably a clear-cut premiership favourite, have we? No. Um, and again, again, that probably <clears> comes down to how they're operating at the moment, out of hubs and whatnot. So it might end up being one of the most even seasons that we've had yet, for that reason alone. Well, there was an interview that I saw with Wayne Carey last week, and he actually said that um, 
winning the premiership this year is probably going to be tougher than any other year. And um, he's probably not too far off the mark. Yeah, because it is pretty tight. I, I guess the other um, thing is we're probably going to see a grand final not in Victoria this time. That is what it is. That's just like uh, the rest of the teams are just recently are being told they're going to be up in Queensland for the next 10 weeks. It just, it just is what it is. And you've got to roll with it. You've got to deal. And these, the hats off to the players and the coaches, actually. Uh, they, sh- they, should be, they should be thanked for doing what they're doing. They're providing, providing footy for us, uh, footy, footy for TV. And they're also leaving their families as well. So they should get pats on the back, I reckon. Well, the other thing is, have you heard the latest from the um, Players Association with this squashing rounds 9 to 12 in tightly? I think it was 9 to 12. Um, the players are now um, sort of arguing pay again. It's probably got some merit, I think, this time because they're going to be playing league-wide. I think they said it's 33 games over 19 days, so... Um, in that period, most teams are only playing three games, four games. So there's probably a little bit of a case for it. But the problem is the AFL are losing money every time they run out there. So there's probably not enough much money around to give out. And they're pro- they're also paying a lot of money to keep these teams in the hubs as well. So um, they they got to take that into account, surely. I, I think they're being a little bit selfish, to be honest, the players on that one. Um, for the, pretty much the same reasons, because if the AFL hadn't a push to do the hubs, they wouldn't have a competition. They wouldn't get paid, pretty much. So it's almost like I'm going to give you some work, and the next day you want a pay rise to me. It's, yeah, it doesn't sit well. Well, Especially... they borrowed half a billion dollars just to get to this point, so the players should be aware that there's not much more money out there, but they're going to want something for their extra workload in the next few weeks. Yeah, I've just heard... Uh... I just heard live off the cuff that uh, my man Joel Selwood has just done a just done a hamstring, so he's out for the game and probably for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, well, as well, we're all sad about that, aren't we, Tim? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely over the moon about that. I can feel your sympathy coming through the microphones, boys. Yes, um, I'm glad it comes through. I'm from the Dan Hanbury Club of supporters, so um, all I can say <laughs> yeah, is suck. <laughs> Suck a big one is all I can say on that one. All right, guys, we might as well move on to the next topic because I think we're just about done AFL um, over that um, few minutes. We're on to the old USA sports. And on my list, I have Major League Soccer listed first. So what's going on over there? Well, let us off, Aaron. Um, yeah, well, they, they started back, what are we at? The they started off a week and a half ago. So... We've had games nearly every day since then. Um, so they seem to be ticking along all right, actually. So they got ahead of the pack by coming back first. And I think they're leading the way, to be honest, because there hasn't been really any hiccups. So I think the other leagues are probably going to look at them and um, see that the bar's been set and they're going to have to try and follow suit. Yeah, and they've um, introduced an interesting concept. Uh, it's like a World Cup style tournament, which is exciting. Uh, any, anyway, well, it gives any... meaning to gives meaning to most games, doesn't it? It's not like you're going to have you know mid table sides playing for nothing. There's going to be someone's going to have some incentive to win every game, aren't they? 
Yeah, I think there's there's 20, 26 teams, and so obviously op, the top two in each group go through. Um, also, there's four third place getters that will go through to the knockout phase as well. So, um, oh, they they've got their they've got their ducks in a row, the old MLS, haven't they? Yeah, I don't think we can fault them too much at all. Um, they've come up with a, a bit of a different format, but it's actually working. Um, and it's creating interest and, yeah, people are getting behind it. And, um, yeah, just they've, they've set the standard now. Well, the other thing about it is um, the biggest downfall for the Major League Soccer has been when they left Ibra. Because he was the best best thing they had last year going around, I reckon. It made people want to watch the game. Um, well, I did, but at the same time, when you get players like that, you've also got to learn to stand on your own feet. And I think this restart has actually um, allowed them to do that. Have they got as many international players playing? No, they don't have a lot. Um, Definitely not of the star power of the Ibrahim Riches and Roonies and Beckhams that they've had in the past. But they've actually got a good stable of players, America. They've always been a fairly competitive team on the world stage and had a few good enough players in their national side anyway, which not a lot of them play outside the MLS. So it's a good standard competition anyway. Interesting little bit here. Um, there's, there's going to be games at 9am and there's also going to be games as late as 10.30pm. So they're, they're spreading it out quite a bit there. Yeah, seems that way. Well, at least, as you said, at least they're remodelling it and trying to have a crack at something else. Um, what's going on in the NBA basketball? Yeah, I'll take I'll I'll take this one. Well, they're going to start. Well, the the players have arrived at the bubble, the the uh, Florida bubble, where they're uh, where they're in uh, three different resorts. Uh, about uh, there's 22 teams, three different resorts. So, I'll, yeah, six to six to eight teams of a resort, well, as as well as uh, coaches, managers, uh, media as well. Um, and it's going to be pretty dicey because. Florida is probably the state with the highest number of COVID cases going about, so they'd want to stay in that bubble. And for that reason, uh, the the uh, NBA has uh, given them a 113-page dossier of rules of what they can and can't do um, during the time in the bubble, which uh, which is fair enough, I suppose. It'd probably take. I'd I'd be glad I'd be in isolation because it'd probably take me entire isolation just to read it. But um, just an example of some of the rules uh, that the players have to abide by. Uh, when playing table tennis, they can't be doubles. Uh, they can't have caddies in, in the golf course. And they can't share snorkels, which I would have thought was common sense anyway. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so the NBA team sent, sent perso- personnel a uh, quite a list of health protocols as well. Um, so, what do you know about the games and how many games is going to be, Aaron? Um, before we get into the game, we just have set up. Have you seen I've set up a Dobbin hotline as well? So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Fantastic! That should, so that should be a show. <laughs> like a that, show. that would be good. Um, you can imagine if if the Lakers get on a roll, I reckon there's a few Clippers that are going to be keeping very close eye on what LeBron's doing on Tippin. Um, but yeah, I, I haven't actually seen um, the makeup of the um, of who's playing who yet. But um, I think you still just it's going to be the regular 
the regular contenders, I think. The top two or three in each um, conference, they're obviously the top for a reason and they're going to be competitive. But I think it might allow someone with a younger team, like someone like the Pelicans might actually um, have something to say when they come back. Because they play eight, do they play eight regular season games before the playoffs? Eight regular season games. And the Pelicans have a bit of catching up to do, but... I think they've gone with, if you actually finish in ninth, uh, eighth and you finish close enough, you can't be too far away from ninth. If you actually finish yeah. with, a close, with a close enough record to the eight seed, uh, the eight and nine will have a playoff to, to determine who's the last seed going to the playoffs, which is... Could yeah, be so that, that, that differential's four games. So I think the Pelicans are going to be in the mix um, come the end of these first eight games. Um, and... Um, whoops, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but there's been fixtures of Zion Williamson floating around, and he's actually looking in really good shape. So, yeah, he's looking pretty ripped, Zion, isn't he? Um, and they've actually got a good core of players that they got for the um Anthony Davis trade, anyway. So, I think there's enough talent for them to make a case, and then, um, even the paces are going to be thereabouts, they're still in, or they, they're entrenched in, in the um, playoffs picture anyway, but I think someone a team like them might be able to make a statement as well. Hey guys, um, just for the listeners out there, what playoff format did they go for? Did they stick with the conferences or have they gone? Uh, yeah, so it's going to be the same. It's going to be uh, eight teams in each conference. Uh, in the West, there's <coughs> more teams because I think there's more teams in contention. So um, they've got more teams to play with there. The East haven't got quite as many teams in contention. Um, so you Washingtons and um, Washingtons and that can try and catch up to the eight seed. I think they're, I think they're about uh, three or four games back or something from the eight seed. But as I was saying, if they get close enough, uh, they could have a playoff for night. So they're playing for something. Uh, the teams, the teams higher up in the playoffs, they probably don't have a lot to play for in these eight games because they're not vying for home court advantage or anything like that. Well, the, uh, the other thing, Jeremy, is um, does that um, scenario you just said where the East have got less com- teams that are going to be thereabouts and the West have got more, would that support they, what they were originally floated with putting them all together instead of having the conferences? Yeah, uh, I, I would think so, but they decided to just go with the same route for some reason. So um, I think they just want to keep the status quo as much as possible, as much as, as, much as can be done during this weird time. Okay. Well, I think it's it... about maximising dollars as well because that's probably why. Like the Pelicans are a bit off the pace, but they've invited them across as well, and I think that's just because of the um, marketing power of Zion Williamson. Yeah. Okay. All right, boys. A quick, just a, a quick one on the baseball, Woody. Yes, what I was going to throw to that. <clears throat> so yeah, they're coming back with us pretty much a sprint, really. Um, I think we touched on it last time. Um, they normally played the 162 games, but now they're down to 60 games. Um, and a lot of them are obviously going to be geographically based. It's not going to be a lot of road trips or a big road trip. You're going to be playing the teams mostly um, in your geographical area. It's only 60 games. Um, so instead of having a lot of meaningless games, every game is going to mean something right up until the end, I think, um, which will be good. And it'll probably attract a bit more interest from fans that may not have generally been too keen on the baseball. Um, 
so they start back next week um, and they've already started their um, spring training games. They're having a couple of warm-up games each and then they'll, they'll get into it. Yeah, and they'll, when, they're, when they're doing the spring training, they normally go down south or something like that, don't they? I think they're all staying in there. Yeah, they're all pretty much just staying in a very close proximity. So I think the baseball is going to work as well. Um, and I think um, I think a lot of the leagues have actually come up with a good a good mix of um, what will work when they come back. Even in the NHL, they start up on the second of August our time, so they're going to do something. To fail, they? Yeah, they are, but they're having a round robin for the top four teams in each conference for a bit of a seeding thing first, and then there's a couple of knockout games for the lower place teams. Okay. Yeah, give, give the game some meaning. All right, quickly, NFL, before we move on to the next segment. Yeah, um, well, they, well, they reportedly are to start training camp on July 21. Uh, these are just the rookies and selected, re- selected veterans with the full squads to rock up a week later. Yeah, I think the biggest interest the last week or so was obviously there was Patrick Mahomes signing for $503 million. So he's not going to have too many concerns going forward, I don't think. I think um, how much of that is guaranteed? I don't think about 130 of it is guaranteed. Yeah, it was 140 or 160 guaranteed. Um, yep. So that, that's a win for the Chiefs and it's a massive win for Mahomes, obviously. So when you've got the best player in the game, you've got to pay him, don't you? Yeah, 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 you do. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I didn't have a problem with it at all, actually. They're obviously. Nah, my, my query was the length of the deal. Ten years, like fair enough. You might pay him fifty yeah, million dollars a year, but and he's already he dislocated his knee last year too. So you don't know if that's done any um, long-term damage, but they're obviously confident in it. So trying to secure their future, and any any NFL player can get massively injured at any minute. So. Yeah, and there's still a few other. There's still a couple of um, guys looking for um, out at their current clubs as well. So there'll be a bit more to come on. I think Jamal Adams wants out of the Jets. Jadavion Clowney's still a free agent. Um, And Mostert, I think, wants out of San Francisco, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Uh, We might be able to do a trade with the Jets for uh, for Jamal Adams, maybe. Oh, it'd be a win, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think it would be. All right, guys, I think um, it's time to move on to a bit of UFC slash mixed martial arts. And I believe on the weekend we've seen UFC 251. And I think Aaron's got a bit of a review of um, that event. Go ahead, Aaron, and let us know what your thoughts. Yeah, I'll just go through a couple of things from the main card. Um, Paige Van Zandt lost again. Um, she probably just needs to consider retiring. I think she, she's been on Instagram a lot um, during the lockdowns and she, um, she's going to make more money on Instagram and in Hollywood, I think. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's an avenue that she's going to go down because and let's be been, honest, she's, I was going to say she's, she's been, quite marketable. Yeah. I was going to say she's saved um, some money on clothing on some of those Instagram posts too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She definitely yeah. did. <laughs> Um, the big thing for me coming out of the card, though, was the um, Petty Yarn and Jose Aldo fight. Um, Jose Aldo actually looked really good in the first probably two or three rounds. Um, he started to use his leg kicks and trouble Yarn a bit. 
who had to keep switching his stance. So he was wary of um, the power in Aldo's leg kicks. Um, and then, yeah, got finished in the fifth round um, by a TKO about a minute later than it should have. Um, I think the referee, Leon Roberts, was actually waiting for Aldo to stop breathing. It looked like it because um, at one point he was just covered up and waiting for the ref to come in and he just didn't do it. I don't know if you guys caught the end of it. It seemed like it was like Aldo must have run over the guy's dog or something on the way to the fight, letting it go so long. Well, yeah, it looked like he had something against him because he let him take a lot more punishment than he needed to. A question for you, Aaron, around Aldo. Um, has he got to the stage where if he doesn't finish a guy in the first couple of rounds, we know he's going to tank out? I, I don't know. I'm a big fan of Aldo, so I, I wouldn't want to say something like that about him. But his best days are definitely behind him. And you could see in the fourth and fifth round... Um, it looked like he knew he was getting beat and he couldn't win. Um, so, and that's three losses in a row now for him as well. So he may, may be on the, on the way out, unfortunately. Yeah, old father time catching up on him. Well, it's not that he's still only 32 or 33, but geez, he's had a lot of fights. But if, um, yeah, but he's if been he's been going, time. and if he's been going since he was quite young, it is a, it is father time. Like your jaw can go on your after numerous fights, for example, that sort of stuff. Um, oh, that's right. All right. Holloway involved in what Mr. Dana White said. And I say that because I think the guy is a tosser. Um, basically, any um, any chance of our Aussie boy being able to walk away with some pride after that fight, Dana's gone in, into the press conferences and bagged it. What are your thoughts on it? Uh, it was a great fight to start with. It was what we wanted to see out from the first fight, I think. Um, they stood and traded for much of their fight. Um, I thought Holloway clearly won rounds one and two. Um, Volkanovski got the better of four and five. And round three was just very, very close. Um, and that's well, we thought that that's where the fight would be won and lost and where the decision would come from. But it turns out all three judges actually scored that for Volkanovski. Um, but a lot of people are saying it was a robbery um, and Holloway clearly won. But there was no clear winner in that fight. It was just a very close fight. And in these title fights, if there's a close round, the judges are genuinely going to side with the bloke that walked in with the belt. Um, which yeah. I think is fair enough as well. So there's a lot of people still talking about maybe a trilogy fight. Um, I don't see how that's going to work in the division. Um, even if you think Holloway won three rounds in this fight, if you factor in their first fight, um, Vulcan obviously still beat him seven rounds to three. So I think the... someone else needs to step up. Yeah. And the Calvin Catter. Um, probably took a big step forward for that earlier today with his win over Ige. So he may be finding himself in line for a title shot very soon. Just one last shot at Dana while I've got a chance. <clears throat> um, he was talking about investigating or, you know, um, having a look at the two um, judges that gave it to um, Volkanovski. Now, my question is, should he be actually going after the guy that gave it to um, Holloway? Because he gave Holloway the fifth round, which he clearly didn't win. 
I'd agree with you on that, actually. Yeah, if someone needs to be looked at, um, it would probably be that judge because um, all three of them gave what I would have thought would have been the hardest round to judge all to Volkanovski. But we know what Dana White's like. He's got his favourites and he tries to um, throw as much attention their way as he can. Holloway could be his illegitimate child the way he carries on, though. Seriously. Oh, he's uh, always got a poster boy, doesn't he? He's he done does. It. He had um, Conor McGregor. Um, he did the same with Ronda Riazzi. So he has his favourites and he forgets about everyone else. That's right. All right, Usman's fight. What can you tell us about that one? Um, pretty much went to script as far as I'm concerned. Masvidal come out swinging. Had a couple of good exchanges early. Then he got tired halfway through or towards the end of round two. He got a bit tired and then Usman took over. Um and just did what he does. He, he He's bigger, he's stronger, he mauls people. Um, and he just did what he did. He's undefeated in the UFC. He's the champion and he showed us why. Well, I still don't see him at his peak beating the great one at his peak, but he is awesome at the moment. That's for sure. Um, even say, like, um, he actually had some good exchanges himself with Masvidal on the feet. He actually landed a couple of good shots himself, which um, a lot of people probably didn't expect him to show much on his feet. And again, Masvidal's takedown defense was very good early as well, which was probably a little bit unexpected. So Masvidal made a good enough account of himself, but he was never going to walk away with the belt. Well, the only way there was going to be an upset is if Masvidal um, went okay in the first couple of rounds and finished the fight, really. And I think yeah, but I never saw that happening way. anyway. Mm. Yeah, Usman, Usman's just too smart for that anyway, and um, <clears throat> he's 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 been around long enough, so he knew exactly what Masvidal was going to do, and they had a plan for it. Yeah, yeah, and and like when you got a one-dimensional fighter, it makes it a bit easier to plan for it anyway. So. That's very true. So I see on our little run sheet here, we were going to mention that Bellator is back. Yeah, so they've got a card next weekend. I've only just come across that news today, so I haven't seen a lot of the card, but I do know that Sergio Pettis, who is Anthony Pettis's younger brother, is fighting for the featherweight belt on there. And one of my favourite fighters in Bellator is Aaron Pico. He's on the card as well. So he's just come off two losses last year. So he'll um, he'll be looking um, to get his name back out there and probably look for an early KO, which is what he likes to do. And then the weekend after that, one championship is back. So um, if you haven't checked out one championship, um, I suggest you keep an eye on that because... Um, there's a lot of really, really talented fighters there, um, especially in the smaller weight divisions. Um, very, very exciting fights they put on over there. Just back to Bellator for a sec, um, Aaron. Um, are they still a bit of a dumping zone for um, great MMA fighters past their prime or are they actually building a bit of a younger base of fighters now? Um, they still are a bit of a retirement home, but um, they are starting to build up some of their own talent. Like I said before with Aaron Pico, I'm a big fan of his. Um, and then they've got the um, Pitbull brothers as well that have been there for a while. So there's enough talent there. Michael Chandler's still there. Um, 
But at the same time, there's a couple of older blokes there as well, which UFC fans will be familiar with. So I think it's the middle of August they've signed on Lyoto Mishida to fight Phil Davis. Um, so that'll be at light heavyweight as well. The Dragon. Yep. Um, he's obviously best days are behind him, but still a good name for Bellator. He's going to get fans in, especially over from South America. They'll tune in, obviously. And being predominantly a striker, I mean, it's going to be a little bit more exciting to watch than a grappler anyway. Uh, well, Phil Davis is a is a very high-level wrestler, but he can stand and trade. So it'll be interesting to see which he decides to do. I think he'll dictate whether the fight's <clears> on the feet or on the ground. But um, I reckon he might come out and just try and um, trade with Leoto a little bit early and then turn to his wrestling. And just hope that Leoto doesn't get hold of him with a kick, pretty much. Which is, yeah, that's right. Which is the way he's going to stop anyone. Yeah, but well, just quickly, another fight coming up on the yep. UFC next week. Rob Whittaker versus Darren Till. That's probably <clears> the pick of the fights from the whole fight on. I'm very excited for that. Who's your pick? Whittaker. Have to go with Whittaker. Back him in. Uh, from what I, I read a while back, um, not that long ago, a couple of months back, he was sort of almost burnt out prior to that title defence that he lost. And lost he the desire to yeah, he did. And then he got it back. Um, and then he actually looked pretty good against Adesanya. He got caught, obviously, and got knocked out. But I think he looked pretty good for the most of it. And if you look at, if you follow him in on social media, um, he's looking in really good shape at the moment. So I think he's going to be ready to make another run for the belt. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. All right. Well, it might be a good time for us to tootle off and get a beer or a coffee or a cup of tea, depending on who you are. I'm looking at Jeremy when I say beer. And um, we'll come back at the other side of the break. And when we come back from the other side of the break, we're going to have a little bit of a discussion around The Last Ride, which is a documentary about The Undertaker that's currently on the um, WWE Network. All right, guys, let's have a bit of a break and we'll be back very shortly. It was a little bit longer than normal. Um, a few computer difficulties, just very slow. Anyway, um, let's jump into the next segment, which is our sports entertainment um, discussion. I know, Woody, you'll probably take a little bit of a back seat during this chat, um, especially the first half, but we will certainly want to hear your Mount Rushmore from your limited experience of um, sports entertainment. I think we'll look forward to that first up. But um, first of all, um, Jeremy and I were going to just have a brief um, overview of the, I think it was a six-part documentary on the WWE Network about The Undertaker called The Last Ride. Um, what do you think of it, Jeremy? Did you get much out of it? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, uh, I think it's probably the same with most wrestling careers. Um, you really don't know when they're going to end, if they end at all. And I think he, The Undertaker encapsulated that pretty well. He, he, uh, he kept saying he was going to retire and his wife wouldn't believe him. And that pretty much is the same for most wrestlers who just keep wanting to get out in the crowd. Um, you, could t- you could see his body sort of giving up on him. Uh, but him not wanting to 
Well, basically, it was him not wanting to go out on a poor night. He wanted to go out in, in, a, in grand fashion. So, um, he, so because of that, he had a, he had a couple of poor matches against uh, against Goldberg and against uh, against uh, Shawn Michaels and Triple H, and he and he really wanted to sort of try and, in his own eyes, redeem himself. So that's why he sort of kept coming back. Um, you know, and the wife didn't. Michelle McCool didn't really discourage him. She just kind of rolled her eyes and said, yeah, of course you are. So um, from that part, it was good. But you could sort of see during the documentary that his body was starting to fail him a bit. Yeah, look, oh, as far as, um, the you know, sort of the flop against Goldberg, I just, look, I, I, I feel The Undertaker took um, a lot more self-blame because Goldberg is renowned for not being a good good person to work with not not that he's a bad person per se but his skill level in um, pro wrestling just has never been up there it's all he's all been marketing and hype if that makes sense yeah so, yeah, well, he's, uh, yeah his, his matches have never been really long ones <laughs> so um he's all so they've always tried to hide his lack of in-ring talent i suppose well listening to 83 weeks um Eric Bishop sort of highlighted where they had to have him demolish people because <clears throat> he just didn't have enough to go for 10 minutes even at one stage. I mean, he got a little bit better as, to- as time evolved. But um, saying that, yeah, it was interesting because The Undertaker's own worst... The worst critic for it's himself. Like, he's such a perfectionist himself. I, that really stood out for me. And also what stood out for me was... Um, how much um, Vinnie Mac's got him on his bend around his little finger? Like, how often did Vinnie Mac talk him into something in the doco? Yeah, but uh, mm. he sort of he sort of feels indebted to Vince, I suppose, for putting him on the map or something. I don't think that's going to go away. No, but it's interesting though that um, it's almost like a brotherhood between the two of them because as much as Vinnie Mac helped put him on the map, he helped keep Vinnie Mac on the map through the lean times when the WW, sorry, the WCW were beating him on Monday nights and that. He could yeah, rely he on The Undertaker. There. Yeah, yeah, he was always there, wasn't he? He was, like, yeah. he was that one constant. He certainly was. And, I mean, he's probably someone that should have been in consideration for the Mount Rushmore when you're talking that sort of stuff. Um, yes, yes. I very, think... very, very stiff to miss mine, but we'll get to that. Yes. Well, maybe, maybe it's a, that's a good lead-in to discuss the Mount Rushmore and maybe Woody might be able to give us his four that would be on the mountain from his limited experience? Oh, I'm not going to be able to give you much. Um, I'll give you a few just when I was a kid, I was right into it and then sort of haven't got back into it since then. I've tried a couple of times, but um, for me, I would say Stone Cold, The Rock, um, probably Hulk Hogan. And, geez, I don't know. Um, don't know who, someone else from the Attitude Era probably, who was bigger around then. Um, Triple H was probably fairly influential. Um, so I'll probably throw him in there as well. Look, that's not yeah. a bad effort at all, really. Um, and matter of fact, I'm quite sure a couple of those guys are probably on mine when I um, make it public. So that's not a bad effort, Woody. I, I applaud you on that one. Who have you got, Jez? I've got uh, 
Hulk Hogan, Stone Cold, Steve Austin, The Rock, and Ric Flair. Now, I've got reasons for all of them. Um, yep. Hogan, because he pretty much he pretty much started the popular popularity of uh, of the countrywide and worldwide wrestling. Um, he was he was kind of the kind of the large figure in the in the eighties in that era when it all started getting when it all started getting big and global. Um, Stone Cold because his popularity is as big as any wrestler's popularity at his height um, ever. I think I don't think I don't at his, at his best at, at his apex. I don't think anybody was more popular than Stone Cold. Um, maybe Vince had a bit to do with that as well. But it was mostly mostly Stone Cold. Um, the Rock because well in the end he got he got a bit too good for wrestling if you know what I mean. Um, he's uh, like his his skills on the mic were so good. Um, it was only a matter of time before he was going to get snapped up by Hollywood and other things. Uh, um, he, he he's uh, he's probably the best to have done it in all like in including the mic and the wrestling as a whole in all facets of it. Um, and Ric Flair because he uh, he just went for so long and he. Sort of did it in all worlds, uh, mainly WCW, but WWE as well, um, and even uh, the NWA yep. before WCW started. So, and he, and um, he was uh, he, he was like the number one star. And if if any wrestling show when they were in territories needed that number one star, he was it. He was it in the whole country. So. Uh, and uh, so Undertaker was very stiff to miss out, but I couldn't squeeze him in over those four. That's that's the only reason why I haven't got him there. Fair call, fair call. All right, so mine um, not dissimilar, but I have got um, a different one. Uh, I'll leave the different one to last. I've obviously got Ric Flair for similar reasons to what Jeremy said, um, and just um, look, he's almost a perfect heel, wasn't he? Like. Um, he was just bloody good at being a heel. Uh, Hulk Hogan, who was probably my first wrestling hero um, in those early 80s, when he when Hulkamania ran wild. Um, and at that stage, he was probably the first wrestler to go into, well, I'll call it Hollywood, um, doing a few movies. Also guest starred on the A-Team, a few things like that. <clears throat> so he's probably the first one to transition a little bit that way. Um, and then you've got the biggest peak of following I've ever seen anyone, which is Stone Cold, and he's actually my all-time favourite, <clears throat> for obvious reasons that Jeremy covered. But mine that's different, and this guy is probably responsible for putting the WWF at the time on the map over a long period of time, was never the number one superstar, but respected completely was Andre the Giant. He made Vinnie Mac Sr. a lot of money. Back in the day, that and he made made him huge money. Some honourable mentions, obviously the Undertaker, uh, Piper, who's one of the best on the microphone ever, Jericho, who's not there because he's still wrestling, and I just think he's the most talented guy getting around in pro wrestling at the moment. Randy Savage and The Rock, um, and just oh, on the, the sorry, the heartbreak, kid, the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels as well. I never rated cool. him. Personally, never rated him. Never rated him. And but back there, man. There's, there's so many. There is. There is. Um, just on on the rock on the microphone, um, Hogan, uh, not Hogan, um, Stone Cold and the rock in that era of the Attitude Era 
were the only two, to my knowledge, that were allowed to go on the microphone without it being scripted. So that and, says how much trust Vinny had in what they can do on a microphone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, The Rock ended up being too good for wrestling, as I said. Yeah, exactly. So I guess now that there's been a test match played recently. And I believe it was England and the West Indies. What can you tell me about that, boys? It got started in typical English fashion. (laughs) Rain halted the toss. (laughs) Rain halted the toss. It was in England. It it had to be that way. Uh, In my hand, I'm holding the only two scorecards from the first innings and from the last innings. Um, I think that pretty much tells the story of it, doesn't Woody? Yeah, I didn't watch it because of the times. Um, and having to get up for work and all that sort of stuff. But I think it was fairly uneventful, really. Um, no no one scored 100. No one took five wickets. Um, and in the end, West Indies got the job done. They did. Um, uh, Jermaine, ben Stokes Jermaine made... Black, Jermaine Blackwood scored a very good 95 in the last innings to pretty much get did. them home. Yeah, he did. Um, very, note, very good. Might, might I note that... Uh, England were missing Joe Root, and I do believe they just didn't select Stuart Broad. For what reason, I don't know. But uh... Yeah, Stuart Broad was a complete um, selection um, decision. Yeah. yeah. No, well, I, I, would have thought, I would have thought that you'd want him in the side rather than not given the option. Yeah. Mm. So, no, I'm not sure about that. I don't think Wood will be in the side. I think, I think Broad will come in, or they may rest Anderson for the next test. Uh, also, I think Joe Root will come back. So I think you'll probably see a stronger England side in the, in the second test. But hats off to West Indies. It was the last so day yeah, chase that, too, wasn't it? It was like a couple and, hundred uh, runs on the last day. Yeah, they were they were twenty seven for three at one stage chasing two hundred. So they, were, they looked in a lot of trouble very early, but um, then Blackwood stepped up really, and he sort of steered the ship home. I think. And there yeah. was actually a five-wicket haul um, yeah, in the yeah, first Jason innings. Holder, Holder yeah. yeah, Jason Holder ended up taking six for 42 off 20. So, um, yeah, there wasn't a lot of runs scored, obviously, but um, that six for and um, the 95 from Blackwood in the second innings got them home. Um, and it would be good to see West Indies back in the mix at the top echelon of um, chess cricket. Um, the being miss, test crickets misses their swagger, don't they? Like, they, there's a certain, certain awe and a certain arrogance about the West Indies when they're up and about in the test scene, isn't there? And we've missed it for a very long time. They've been an absolute rabble for a long time. I think that's because when 2020 started to really hit its straps, West Indies cricket board focused a lot of their money and energy on that. Um, and their test team was an afterthought for them. Well, here's a slight one for you. Um, the West Indian Cricket Board don't have the easiest job because you're actually dealing with um, fellows from different countries, not the one country too, when you're looking at the West Indies. So that can um, you'd get a, You'd make up the case if you're a talent scout, wouldn't you? You would. They've you uh, would. got a lot of ground to cover. Wouldn't be easy. All right. Well, I think that's all we have for cricket this time around. Hopefully we'll have a few more games to discuss moving forward. So well, now, there's actually one that's scheduled to start tonight, it? and guess what? There's one scheduled to start tonight, and guess what? Well, it's raining. Rain. It's, it's raining. Rain. So is that the second test from the Windies in England, is it? 
Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yep. The, the rain delayed the toss again. Oh, there you go. So some normality there. All right. So we'll move on. We've got the EPL, which is getting bloody interesting for that um, third, sort of fourth spot, maybe third settled now after um, the recent game. And also yeah. um, relegations and promotions. So what do we got to chat about there, fellas? Well, let's talk I about... Yeah, the most interest to... is at the bottom. Yeah, the, the bottom. Yeah, yeah. Well, what do you, do you want to go? You want to go through? I've picked out four teams here. I've put I've put a line through Brighton. I think they're safe. Yep. yep. I'd agree with that. They're not numerically safe, but I don't I don't see them going down. So I've got four teams. Obviously Norwich, they're out. So we don't yep, need. They're to, done. We don't need to even talk about them. Um, so, uh, Woody, if you, want, you just want to read out what, what games these four teams have got left and see if we can sort out the wheat from the chaff there. Yep. So, as we said, Norwich are gone and then it's out of Villa, Bournemouth, Watford and West Ham. So, West Ham play Watford at home, United away, Villa at home. Um, so, they've got the games against Watford and Villa, which they'd like to think that they could get points from then. Um, if they drop one of them, I think that might be all over for them as well. Then Watford obviously play West Ham away. And then they've got Man City and Arsenal. So they've got a really tough run in. Um, if they don't take points off West Ham, they might be in the championship next year. Then Bournemouth play away at Man City. Then they've got Southampton. And then they're away at Everton. So they may not get another point. And if they manage to snag a couple, they're going to have to rely on results to go their way. And I think Villa are as good as done because they're away at Everton and they've got Arsenal and then they play West Ham on the last match day. But I reckon they're probably going to be relegated by then anyway. So we're looking probably at Villa and Bournemouth being being relegated. I think they're going um, to stay where they are. Yeah, I think Watford are probably probably don't need to get too many well, more points. One point might a, do it for them. Winner, if there's a winner out of West Ham and Watford, then what? Then that team who wins the game is you would pretty much call them safe. They will be safe. Yep. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I think if it's a draw, Bournemouth are probably gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah, they probably are. And Bournemouth aren't playing any of the bottom three. They're playing me. No, nah, they're not. Everton, um, and they're, they're going to find it tough. They already found, actually they already found it tough against Man City this morning. I think they won. They lost. Was it two one? Oh, one nil maybe. Yeah, they. Yeah, it was. Yeah, they lost then anyway. Yeah, so they they may not get another point. So I think they're they're as good as done. They're as good as done. Yeah, well, and obviously the teams go down. There must be teams coming up from the championship. What do you got there, Woody? Leeds are coming back, I think. Yeah. They play Barnsley. They play Barnsley tomorrow morning. Leeds are top. Barnsley are bottom. Leeds get a win, and they're back in the big time. And they, um, they, also, they also play Derby <coughs> County. Derby County are in 10th, so you probably they go in favourite in that game. Yeah, that'll be wrapped up by then, though. I think they'll get over Barnsley, and then it'll be party time. It will be very good to have Leeds back. And uh, how's the... The playoffs lookings um, from uh, three to six. We've got uh, Brentford, Fulham, Nottingham Forest and Cardiff City. 
Um, it's pretty tight. It is pretty tight. Millwall can still get there. Yeah, and you've only you got Millwall. Millwall's only a couple of points further back as well. Swansea are in eighth, four points behind Cardiff. Um, so they're probably done. But yeah, there's there's a few teams in the mix there. Um, oh look, um, I haven't seen their draws though. But um, might see what Tim's got to say about the top end of the table for those last Champions League spots. Uh, yes. Well, basically, I think after. Um, the last 24 hours, I think Chelsea might have just um, saved themselves. But they do have a game against Liverpool. And after Liverpool losing to Arsenal, I don't think Liverpool are going to bend over and just say, take us to Chelsea. So It'd be good to see Chelsea <clears throat> do another guard of honour, though, won't it? Oh, don't talk to me about guards of honour. Seriously. Whatever happened to a, a, just a, a really respectful hand clap? It's just getting ridiculous. And I blame Manchester City for starting the whole bloody thing. Bunch of bloody flogs. Um, it's just, now, yeah, I, time I think and time again. One, <clears throat> having one guard of honour after Liverpool won the um, title, I think one team does a guard of honour on behalf of everyone else. But there's going to be six of them by the time we're done. Well, they're just lucky that Liverpool aren't playing Manchester United because they wouldn't get a frigging guard of honour, and that is a fact. Anyway, um, I, 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 all I can say is before we wind up on the championship um, situation is, um, Champions League, I should say, is that my predictions was three, uh, sorry, four losses to Liverpool and still win the title. They've had three and they've still got a couple of games left, so I'm on the money there. And Manchester United are on equal points to Leicester, who are fourth. So that other prediction is looking good. Moving on. Yeah, moving on. We're up to that lovely segment where we get to double in some questions from... Our listeners, and I get you two guys, you two guys, to give us a very brief response to the question. And if I find that you are waffling on, I will cut you off and move on to the next question, as we know, because this is pretty much straight down the guts. Now, yeah. the first, <clears throat> first question comes from Pies Josh on Twitter. Did the Matthew Rowell injury cost Gold Coast a finals berth? Or will they make it anyway with Victorian and New South Wales teams travelling all year? Woody, you go first. Brief. Um, definitely a massive loss for them. Um, if they're relying on a first-year player to get them to the final, so they've got bigger issues than him missing out. Awesome. Jeremy? Uh, I think it killed their momentum, um, which they may not have had for long anyway, so... Um, I don't know. We just about to a line for me. All right, Michael Allen from Facebook. Thoughts on Man City still being able to play in the in Europe? So I'd say that's referring to them being able to play the Champions League in particular, um, as well as other comps. Uh, Jeremy, thoughts? Yeah, predictable was always going to happen. Was it fair? Fair, fair or not? Uh, that's up for anyone to decide. But it was just. I knew that would that was going to go down. So predictable for me. If it was Crystal Palace, would the same result happened? Maybe not. All right, Woody. Money talks. Money talks. That's all it is. They should have been banned. They weren't. We knew they wouldn't be. It was a joke. There you go. Um, Josh Warner, Facebook. Would you be interested in seeing a fight between Manny Pacquo, or Pacquiao, or whatever it is? And um, Gennady 
Golfkin, is that right? Manny Pacquiao and Gennady Golovkin. That's it. You're good with those sort of um, names. <laughs> Go for it. What do you think? I would love to see that fight. I think it would be good. Manny Pacquiao is still 41 years old. Golovkin's 38. They're still both young enough. I'd be more than happy to watch that fight. Golovkin yep. would probably knock him out, but I'd still love to see it. Jeremy? Yeah, um, there's very few there's very few fights where I'll actually I'll actually duck out to a pub to watch, and this this would be one of them. Would it be just like two senior citizens fighting over the line for the cup of tea? I couldn't be any worse than Paul Gallon and Barry Hall. <laughs> Definitely not. No, I think once guys guys at their late thirties and early forties have still got enough to offer. I think this fight would have been better seven years ago, but I'm still down for it now. All right. Boxing. Boxing is a sport where you can just you can work your fitness way up for that yep. one event. Sounds good. All right, we're moving on. Um, Darren JL on Facebook. Um, thoughts on AFL teams goal goal poor kicking. So they're kicking for goals poor. Eleven of eighteen teams kicked at fifty percent or worse on the weekend. Thoughts? We'll go with Jeremy. Uh, probably because they're gassed because they're running up and down the field all the time and their forwards don't actually stay in their forward line. But that's not on the players, that's on the coaches. <clears throat> Woody? Yep, I agree with Jez. They're asking too much of the forwards to do. What happened to the days of your Fraser Geerigs and these types who just play out the goals where they take the big mark, the big contested mark, and they kick the goals? <clears throat> Doesn't happen anymore. They don't practice goal kicking at training because of all this sports science stuff. So, yeah, it should be better, but it won't be because the coaches will continue to coach the way they do. All right, final question is from Michael Briffer. And he's written, has the bunker worked in NRL? Does the two on-field referees make a difference? Woody. Um, The bunker doesn't work because it's still open to human error and interpretation. You can have all the replays you want, but you've still got one bloke looking at it and giving you his decision on it. And the two on-field referees don't make a difference to me because they're meant to be there to uh, make sure the line's 10 yards back and check the ruck and all that sort of stuff. But two referees instead of one just means you've got two people that can make the wrong decision instead of one. Jeremy? Uh, yeah, like, like what he said, with the two, two referees, you can have confusion. Uh, example being the grand final last year when one called six again and the and the other didn't and they went back and they went back as far as the, as far as the bunker goes um, it is what it is uh, I, that if they think if they think just putting video replays is going to make things perfect they're just dead wrong because nothing in this world is perfect is it no no all right so we move on to our other regular um, segment which is prediction. So I hope you lads have a prediction. Um, we'll go with Jeremy first. All right. Um, I'm going to predict we don't actually finish the NBA season. All right. Yeah, that's a fair call. Fair call. All right. Uh, Woody? Um, I was going to go to the NBA as well, but I was going to say that if the season does finish, um, the Celtics will win the lot. Younger team. Okay. Well, my prediction will be that I think um, 
the grand final for the AFL will be actually played in Brisbane. I'm going to go off the majority there. I think that's where it is because I think they're going to be probably the one state that's going to hold it together with the coronavirus. And I think they'll beat Perth for the um, grand final. Do you think they have a handshake agreement in place? I think I think it's decided already. Just the way the Premier from Queensland was speaking, <clears throat> that she's been briefed by um, the exalted one of the AFL. Yeah, I reckon they're doing deals behind the scenes as well. They're probably going to handshake agreement, I think. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So we've come to that lucky end of the pod where um, I don't think... Um, actually, before we go down that path, have we failed on our predictions from the other pod yet? Do you know, Woody, or you don't have that um, up your sleeve? <clears throat> no, I think... I don't have them with me, but they are future predictions anyway, so mm. no one's right, no one's wrong yet. I think what we might do, yeah, what we might do next um, episode is actually give a little bit more time to the predictions and actually go over and review what we've predicted so far. Might be a good idea. All right, so we're at that lovely end of the um, evening pod, whatever you want to call it. Um, I'll give my usual plug to Josh Watson, who um, does all our editing and um, adds that funky music that we have, and also uh, the artist for the funky music which is zaggy two and also to while we're on josh um josh has got quite a bit of knowledge around the a-league and is part of a podcast called the australian football podcast so if you like all things a-league and all things the world game have a listen give them a go anyway it's um huru from me just before we go, I want to give a shout out to um, Kick Down the Corridor as a Facebook yep. page. Puts up a fair bit of content about sport as well. So he supports us, so we'll support him. You can find him on Facebook, Kick Down the Corridor, or on Twitter, at Kick Corridor. And there's also a guy that we've been in touch with over in the US who gives out tips and stuff for the UFC events. So jump on there and check out at Frosty Incorp as well. Or um, I dare say you can, you'll probably put on our social media anyway, links to it. Yeah, I do. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I haven't got any, uh, I haven't got any podcast to, to plug. Um, I, any other podcast might be rubbish actually. So we'll just leave it alone, will we? And, and if you want a bit of AFL content, check out Three Blokes No Clue. And you'll hear Jeremy's dreamy voice on there as well. It's it's uh, it's the voice of just velvet. It's just amazing. <laughs> anyway, it's time to go. Hooroo, guys. All right. Bye. See you guys.